the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Good morning. It's Chad Burton in for Rob Black. Welcome into the show. I am your host today, Chad Burton, Certified Financial Planner. If you want to get your calls in the air... I'll tell you what, even better, just shoot me an email, chad at chadburton.com. That's chad at chadburton.com. On Tuesdays, I try to catch up on all the emails on the Tuesday show. So when you shoot me an email question, this as many details as you can. Age, kids, uh, plan to retire, what your major question is. And I will tell you when I'm going to answer it typically on the air. Talking about the markets today, um, so far, futures turned slightly positive at about 5.40 a.m. our time. And that's pretty good considering the we got higher rates again today on the two-year. Uh, some of the news articles out there today, Broadcom lowering the bid for Qualcomm to $79 a share, down from $82 a share. And pretty interesting Bloomberg article I was going over this morning. And it kind of listed all the positives going on in the market and just a few of the negatives. We've got low unemployment. We've got rising wages. That's driving U.S. consumer demand. That's good. U.S. economic growth is expected to rise to 2.7% this year from 2.3%. The commodity prices increasing gradually. So that's spraying activity in mining and oil drilling. Multinational company is doing really, really well because not only do we have our tax cut turbocharging the economy and a potential infrastructure deal, but... Strong growth in Europe and Asia. Despite the UK area and Brexit, which is still being negotiated, analysts expect revenues to rise 12% this year for multinational companies. So I think we came in so far in the S&P 500 for Q4 2017 at around close to 8% revenue growth, close to 14% earnings growth. Um, So... You know, that's a double digit revenue growth would be the first time in a while on a year over year basis. Now, prices feed inflation. So, when you have these things going up, you have the consumer demand going up, you're going to start to see inflation. That's what the Federal Reserve tries to deal with the overnight lending rates between banks. I think if the rates go up, there's less money that gets lent and put into the economy. And then we go through a cycle. It happens. That's why you get. Expansion, recession, expansion, recession. It's all part of the process. That's why every year always expect three, five to ten percent corrections. Every five to seven years, you get the fifteen to twenty percent pullbacks. And you gotta look at them as short term. They're painful. You haven't lived through one now for quite a while. January what twenty fifteen was the last kind of real correction that we had of ten percent plus that lasted a while. This last one, this wasn't even a correction. Yeah, it was a large point drop. It was a 7% decline after a 7% increase. Most of that's already rebounded. Corrections last usually like three months minimum if you're going through a real correction. 
and start to feel pretty awful. And as soon as you start really, really, really feeling awful, that's when you try to scrape together some more cash and go buy. And that's usually the best thing that you could do in those types of situations versus panic sell and lose money forever. Uh, we get the yield on the 10-year treasury, reached 2.9% again yesterday. That was 1.36% back in July of 2016. That is a huge rate increase, and the market's done well despite that. Um, it's when it starts to push over 3.5% on the 10-year treasury, that's where you start to get that conflict of, hey, I'm 65 years old. Should I get 3.5% on a 10-year government treasury, or should I go for the stock that's got risk yielding 2%? Uh, so that's when you, that's that tipping point typically when you start getting that allocation. Let's say you got an allocation of a, a wealth manager, and our goal is 60% stocks, 40% bonds, but you let that kind of drift a little bit. Well, maybe you're 66% stocks and 34% bonds, and you're kind of letting that ride. But then when rates pop up, you're like, oh, bonds are starting to be kind of attractive now. So maybe you peel back to the lower end of that 60%, or even go 57% in stocks and push a little bit more into the bond side. That's what that tipping point is that everybody talks about. Um, so now this, this article kind of goes on to say that uh, we've got a reduction in the corporate tax rate from 35% to 21%. When we looked at all the stocks that we own at New Focus Financial Group, we're looking at an average of about 33-34% on the stocks that we own. So it was going to be a nice hit to, you know, right to the bottom line, tax savings. How many of these companies are going to give bonuses, actually increase wages? This bonus, this one-time bonus of 1000 bucks would kind of annoy me if I was an employee. I'm like, raise my hourly weight, raise my salary, let me share in this. And uh, that's the true kind of trickle down to the consumer type of a situation. That people are looking for, and, and so that that you know when you get a okay, I'm paying 34% tax now. I'm paying 21, but I'm going to give a three or four percent raise. It's not all going to go to the bottom line. This article in Bloomberg is talking about 20% earnings growth expected this year. Now we had a 14% earnings growth from 2016 to 2017 Q4. So if you add that six percent on top of that, that's a 20% earnings growth. That's a huge number. But wait. The S&P 500 did 22% last year, and the market's always a bit forward-looking. So there you have it. That's why the market, you know, stocks. In the end, it all boils down to revenue and earnings of individual companies. The market is not a person or a ghost that thinks or breathes. Or I mean, you listen to CNBC after I don't know about 8 a.m., 9 a.m. You got those guys at the desks and the market this, the market that. I think this, I think that, and it's just ridiculous. In the end. It boils down to revenue and earnings of individual companies and results, and those ebb and flow. But on a daily basis, it could be driven by emotions. So right now, emotions are pretty positive in the market. That's where you have higher P/E ratios than normal right now. Um, so pretty high expectations so far for. 2018, that's for sure. Real quickly, before we end the time on this segment, yesterday I was talking about um, cryptocurrency pump and dump schemes. And so, one of my other advisors, uh, Dan Fetterman, also a certified financial planner, sent me over this Reuters article that he had read. Oh, it was back closer to, to Valentine's Day. Uh, the U.S. derivatives regulator warned investors a couple of Thursdays ago about cr- cryptocurrency pump and dump scams 
that aim to rip off investors by inflating the price of volatile virtual tokens through f- spreading bogus information. Is it is it the Russians again? Oh, it's the Russians. We better ask Mueller to investigate. Uh, but the, the this this is a true issue because this is one of the reasons why Facebook said no more cryptocurrency ads. Cryptocurrency, a lot of people have put money into it. They don't even understand what blockchain is. And so when there's all these different coins that are out there and people that are really, really good at technology, they will be really, really good at creating a viral feel online, whether it's Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, whatever. And it can get a whole bunch of people sharing, retweeting, or whatever, and a whole bunch of people just throwing 100 bucks into whatever virtual cryptocurrency coin of the day is. And once everybody puts their money in, the people that created that viral feel will then sell. Cryptocurrencies do not have earnings. They do not have revenue. It's a potential store of value sometime in the future. Right now, it's so volatile. It's wild, wild west stuff. And exchanging money is extremely expensive. And the idea is like, oh, it's supposed to be you know, cut the cost of exchanging currencies around the world in the future. Well, that's going to be a long time. And until then, you're going to have a ton of volatility. You're going to have people that make a ton of money. And unfortunately, the small fries that might lose a lot of money. So be very careful with those pump and dump strategies and what you read on the internet, especially on social media with this stuff. Take a quick break. We'll be right back. Can you afford a second home in retirement? And how would you pay for it? What's the right way to do it? We'll talk about that after the break. Shoot me an email, chat at chadburton.com. We'll be back. Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and Your Money live on the Bay Area Airwaves. Weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW and streaming live on the KDOW radio app or KDOW.biz. And don't forget the weeknight replay at 7. Good morning. It's Chad Burton in for Rob Black. Welcome back into the show. I am your host, Chad Burton, certified financial planner. Rob Black and I, though, we're going to be together in a couple Thursdays, Thursday, March 8, Crown Plaza Hotel in Foster City, 6.30 p.m., Retirement Income Strategies and Estate Planning. We're going to basically talk about how has retirement planning changed under the 2017 tax cut. Talk about things like really maximizing Roth conversions so you can pay a heck of a lot lower taxes over the long term and pass more money tax-free to your heirs. What are some of the things you need to think about now? So if you're 10 years from retirement or in retirement, that's the event for you. So you want to make sure you sign up before it fills up. Go to chadburton.com or newfocusfinancial.com, Radio 25, if you're listening today, to get in for free if you haven't been to an event before. Um, this Speaking of retirement, can you afford to buy a second home? I've had uh, people refer to me, uh, and it's one couple that sticks out in my mind, they referred to me because they were trying to figure out what the best way to pay for their second home, their vacation home in retirement. And they really kind of retired without a plan, thought they had enough money, had a pension, had Social Security. And we actually did some actual cash flow planning, which included paying taxes when they pulled money out of their 401k, paying taxes when they received their pension, Social Security 85% taxable, and then dealing with the idea that pension and Social Security Really, pensions don't keep up with inflation. Social Security barely does. Don't expect it in the future. It became more of a conversation of when are you going to be able to downsize your California Bay Area home because you actually don't have enough liquid assets to maintain the spending that you have. So they came in for a second home conversation 
and had a bit of a shock. And this happens a lot when people retire without a very detailed cash flow analysis, including taxes, healthcare costs, and things like that. But let's switch gears and talk about how do you finance that purchase of that second home, potentially, when you're retired. First of all, let's talk about when it's absolutely ridiculous, when it's not a good idea to pay cash for a second home. So even if you have a lot in investments, maybe you even own your existing home outright, when is it absolutely ridiculous to pay cash for a home, your, your primary residence or secondary residence in retirement? Well, it's when all you have is an IRA. That is really ridiculous. Because look, here's here's how the new tax bracket works. First of all, a married couple, $24,000 standard deduction at minimum. Right? Then the next $19,000... 10%. Then the next 70, the 19 to 77,400, 12% tax. All the way up to the next amount of money from 77,400,000 to 165,000, 22%. Then the next bracket's 24%. And the 32% bracket is from 315,000 to 400,000 of taxable income. So look, let's say your second home, your vacation home that you wanted to buy is $400,000. Well, if all you have is retirement accounts that have not yet been taxed, and you're in an effective bracket, if you want to pull out $400,000 or have enough left over to buy a home for $400,000, and you're lucky enough to have that amount in your retirement account, well, you're going to pay around a 30% federal bracket plus about a 10% state bracket when all the blending and deductions are done. That's a 40% deduction. So, Basically, what you do is you take your $400,000 purchase and divide it by one minus the taxes that you're going to pay. In this case, it's one minus 30% or 0.3 for federal minus 0.1 or 10% for state. It's basically $400,000 divided by 0.6, and you get a number of $666,666. So, the funny thing about that math is it's 666. It's telling you it's a bad idea to do that. That would be just a ridiculous amount of taxes to pay just to get that second home. You basically pay $666,000 in it. So, if all you have is retirement accounts that have not been taxed, it's ridiculous to pay cash for a home. Absolutely insane. What you would want to do is get the cheapest mortgage you can, like a 5-1 arm or something like that, where you get enough out to put the cash down to buy the home, get the mortgage. And then if you don't want to carry a mortgage, pay it off over five years so that you can maintain that 12 to 22% bracket at the most rather than creeping up into the other brackets. In the meantime, that interest will be deductible on your return if it's your primary residence and it's under a million dollars or $750,000 alone. So let's say you have to get a loan. What's the problem? Sometimes a lot of sometimes a retired couple, especially if they've just quit their jobs and all their money is in their accounts and they've kind of lived off cash for six months to a year, they might go qualify, try to go qualify for a mortgage. And the initial answer, if you're not working with a good mortgage broker or underwriter, is I'm sorry, no, you don't have enough income. And you're like, well, yeah, but I have all this money in retirement accounts. It doesn't matter. You don't have enough income. That's the answer people get. So all you have to do is you actually start turning on the tap. So you take enough out of your retirement accounts, create a systematic withdrawal. So if you're, let's say, have an IRA at TD Ameritrade and you're retired, you would turn on the tap. You take a systematic withdrawal and, I don't know, maybe it's 
$5,000 a month, whatever the number the mortgage broker says is enough to verify income enough to get the mortgage. You can turn it off after the loan's over, but sometimes you have to turn on the tap for the loan and then even have a letter written, some some cases, by a financial advisor saying, yeah, this is the money, this is how it's going to the account, and this is how long it'll last. Um, so, there is ways to get a, a loan even though you don't have current income anymore. So, one of the things that you want to do is, let's let's say you are in that other boat where you have your retirement accounts and you have a lot of cash and investments outside of retirement accounts and you do want to pay cash for the home, you still might open up a home equity line of credit afterwards just to have flexibility in your life and a lump sum of money to access just in case something goes wrong. There's also other ways to do it. There's the kind of the reverse mortgage process. Kevin McKinley of Wealth Management was talking about this where and a lot of this might be done for a construction home or construction loan type of a situation where somebody lives in a home now and they can't sell it until the new one's done, but they can't really go through the process of the mortgage, the normal mortgage. There's a home equity conversion mortgage for purchase. To qualify for that, the buyer or spouse must be at least 62 years old. And it's so it's called a HECM or home equity conversion mortgage. And it must be used on the buyer's primary residence, but can include two to four unit complexes, condos that are approved by HUD and FHA approved manufactured homes, which I would never recommend. Just knowing what my grandfather went through with the manufactured home and how that whole situation depreciated. Um, so usually you can finance between 40 to 70% of the purchase price of what you're trying to eventually move into, but it has to end up your primary residence. So there are a couple of options for it. More and more though, even if you get that loan or you decide you want a loan for that second home, make sure as you get your taxes done this year, you talk to your CPA, your financial advisor about, am I really getting much of a benefit from this mortgage anymore? Because now, the standard deduction is so much higher, your standard deduction might be bigger than your itemized deduction. So, you got to ask that question. We'll take a quick break. We'll be right back. If you want to shoot me an email, question for the show, chat at chadburton.com. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. Good morning, it's Chad Burton and for Rob Black. Welcome back into the show. I'm your host, Chad Burton, Certified Financial Planner. Rob Black and I, though, will be together March 8th, Thursday, 6.30 p.m., Foster City, Retirement Income Strategies. How do you rebalance your portfolio? What tax issues do you have to think about? Do you even have enough? Talking all about it. Great educational event. If you have not been to an event before and you want to get in for free, the code is Radio25. You can sign up at chadburton.com or newfocusfinancial.com. A lot of what we talk about is healthcare costs and what a shocking event that is when people sign up. First of all, if you've ever known anybody that's retired, ask them about the process, unless they retired with like Kaiser Healthcare or something like that. Ask them about the process of getting onto Medicare and choosing your Medicare supplemental plan, your prescription drugs, dental issues, all those kind of things. It's a full-time job for about a month, it seems, to be able to get that all dialed in. Um, if you need a good referral in that area, uh, shoot me an email, chat at chadburton.com. We'll send it your way because 
I, I remember when I got into the business, I was licensed in everything, investments, insurance, and everything. And I quickly learned that I hated the medical insurance side. It was so annoying. You're always dealing with rate increases and changing plans and disappointed people. It was not, not a good thing. Recently, I was reading an article. I think it was on ABC News and Associated Press article that they um, put out there. Government says health costs to keep growing faster than the economy. Spending is projected to rise by an average of 5.5% annually through 2026, or about 1% point faster than economic growth. I hope economic growth goes at 4.5%. That would be great. Because if it doesn't, guys, if this if we don't grow this economy for the next four years at 4%, all these tax cuts that we see right now, they're going to expire in 2026, by the way. With that said, healthcare spending, not just the cost, but spending, 5.5% growth annually. We use in our financial planning projections 6% inflation in healthcare costs because that's what we see across the board with our clients. Prescription drugs account for the fastest increase, 6.3% a year on average. I hope the prescription drug industry gets Amazoned badly in a, in, a, in a huge way. I want Amazon, Warren Buffett, Jamie Dimon, I'll come into a way to find a way to cut medical costs, especially for our retirees, so people can actually enjoy some retirement issues, have a little bit more money in retirement, because the, the middleman situation on prescription drugs is the problem. We need the innovation here in the United States on prescription drugs, but the middleman is a problem. Medicare spending will increase as more baby boomers join the program. I mean, we're getting over 10,000 people a day now turning 65. So you think our healthcare tab is bad now? Just wait. 3.7 trillion this year. That means it's going to rise to about 5.7 trillion in 2026. So you can, you know, make sure that the government isn't spending on money on golden hammers and gold-plated toilets and stuff like that. That's a drop in the bucket when you when you hear about those little things. It's Medicare, Medicaid, and Social Security. That's a huge part of the budget. And it's a problem that needs to be solved. We have to grow the economy out of it. But these taxes are not going to last at this level. It's just not mathematically possible. That's one reason why two things. You need to focus on your health if you want a good retirement. Prior to retirement, one of your main goals is get healthy. You're not going to enjoy retirement if you're not healthy now. Because as you age, it gets harder and harder to move and become healthy. So you got to get healthy now. So you spend less in retirement and you enjoy retirement more. It's, it's the, the cost that you have to see is about $550 to $600 per person per month growing at 6% inflation in retirement. That's going to be your average cost between Medicare Part B, supplemental, prescription drugs, dental costs, co-pays, and things like that. There's another Forbes article that was out there. It was talking about five pieces of retirement that you really need to focus on to really figure out how much you need. Last week, we talked about what is your number. You can go to uh, our Facebook page or, or actually our website, chadburton.com, click on the, the link for the podcast, and what is your number that I talked about, and how do you calculate what your number is. And, and retirement is different. Younger people really need to make sure that if they're going to retire 60 or before, that you are able to live off comfortably just your passive income, dividends from stocks, interest from bonds, and income from real estate. Because you're not going to want to touch your principal for quite a while, and you want assets like stocks that increase their dividends, and real estate where you can increase the rent to help you keep up with inflation. Because you might live over 40 years with advancements in healthcare. Advancements cost money. Healthcare costs going to continue to go up. So this Forbes article 
I was talking about five different things. And they they talked about, I love the way that ended. I'm going to start with the way that it ended. Because at the, the last paragraph of this Forbes article said, retirement should be viewed more as a starting point to the next phase of life rather than a finish line for the previous part. The best retirement that you can have the happiest people I know basically tell me that I don't know how I had time to work. I'm so busy now. I don't know how I did it. And most of those people, first thing they do, wake up, exercise. And then they're either doing something with grandkids, they're volunteering, they're keeping active in some way, shape, or form, they're doing art, cooking, whatever. They just keep very, very busy and healthy. So you got to focus on what your next phase of life is for you. Maybe don't call it retirement. Maybe you're going to retire from being a teacher when you're 55, 60 years old and become a financial advisor. Teachers are great at that because they're used to dealing with difficult people known as the parents. <laughs> so they're, they're able to help counsel people because they you know, helped children. And they're used to dealing with difficult people because when you're dealing with your kid, you're, you're often a difficult person in a classroom if you're the parent, right? Because you're going to... Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll just leave it at that. My sister is a teacher, so I know, I know how that goes. But what is the next phase of life? You could do multi, uh, instead of retirement planning, maybe it's your second career planning situation. What's your life expectancy too? You got to take in, into mind your family history and how you live your life. So I would re, I would rather retire later and spend more money on things like snowboarding, and wake surfing and things like that now, the things that I love to do that I know I will have very difficult time doing when I'm 80. Maybe when I'm 80, I'll you know do some more world traveling. I can just roll around in my scooter because my knees and my hips are waiting for that bionic replacement to come around. So what is your life expectancy? You got to kind of keep that in mind based on your parents. People over 85 right now apparently are the gro- fastest growing segment of the population. Longer lifespans are becoming the norm. All of the things that you see out there today, pensions, Social Security, everything else, expected everybody to be dead by 86, and that's not the case. Uh, rising health care costs we've already talked about. You can either say 600 bucks a month per person, growing at 6% inflation, or now the new number, according to Fidelity's study, $275,000. The average couple retiring at age 65 needs to set aside $275,000 in a separate account, and that account will be depleted over their retirement in healthcare costs. And that's shocking to a lot of people driving down the road right now. A lot of people driving down the road were, man, that's that's all I have in my 401k. I'm 50. That's all I have in my 401k, and that's all going to be used for healthcare costs? Yep, you got it. So if you're 50, you're in that situation, you're probably way behind on savings. You probably, one, won't be able to retire in the Bay Area, so think about that. Two, maybe your next best investment is your training and getting a second job, or not not even necessarily a second job, but a different job, so that you can do that job, and it's easier on your body, and you enjoy it, and you make more money until you're 70, 75 years old, because that's going to be your phased retirement plan. So instead of figuring out what's the next best stock to buy or listening to some show that teaches you how to read a chart and charges you money for some software program that's garbage, um, you invest in yourself. Continue maxing that 401k and putting enough at least in to get the match anyways. Put in money into a Roth and then get retrained. Get a better education. Social Security, what about that? Isn't that going to cover a lot of your 
income in retirement. The average monthly benefit for a retired worker in the United States is $1,369 a month. How far does that go in the Bay Area? What's the max? Well, I think it's something like if you were to make 128 grand for the next 35 years and take Social Security at 70, today's dollar would be about $3,700 a month. So that's pretty good. But you got to wait till 70 to get that. What's that amount of money in the future? Value of the dollar is cut in half every 18 years. So that's cut in half basically twice. Well, that's not much money. And you got to think about inflation. Um, look back. On your next birthday, you can. There's websites that say on this day, and on this day you can say what was a gallon of milk, what was a stamp, and you can see the massive amount of inflation that's out there. A lot of people, you know, retire on fixed income with a pension, Social Security, annuity, something like that, and it's enough now. But in 10 years, 15 years, it's not going to be enough. And inflation is finally starting to pick up. We have dealt with unreal, historically low inflation over the last decade. Now, we probably will still have lower than the last 100 years inflation over the next decade because of things like Amazon and innovation and things becoming cheaper, better, faster. But also, those middle-class jobs are going to go away. Some of those middle-class jobs, whether it's driving trucks or whatever, are going to be replaced. So, you have to, again, worry about inflation, worry about your training, and where you're going to make money going forward. Very, very important. And don't retire until you have a very detailed cash flow analysis that deals with taxes, inflation, healthcare costs, all the things that you're not thinking about. Be realistic, too, about where you're going to live. A cheaper state, cheaper housing with lower state income taxes might be the key for you, especially if you're paying high property taxes now. If you're not paying high property taxes... California's not that bad if you really actually do the math if you don't pay high property taxes. So you might stay put and just consider moving later in life. Just be realistic about it. You want to take a quick break? We'll be right back. You can email me, chat at chadburton.com. Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at kdow.biz or on the KDOW radio app. Good morning. It's Chad Burton and for Rob Black. Welcome back into the show. I'm your host, Chad Burns, Certified Financial Planner. Rob Black and I are going to be together March 8th, Thursday evening, Foster City Retirement Income Strategy. You're 10 years from retirement or in retirement. You don't want to miss this event. How does the new tax cuts affect retirement planning? What are some of the things you should think about? Anything from maybe you sell some bonds, pay off your mortgage. Does that work for you? I don't know. We'll talk about it. you got to get some tax advice before you do anything. Um, let's talk about some tax issues. The biggest issue that most people talk about with this new tax cut is the SALT limit, the state and local income tax limit on your federal return. Before, you used to be able to deduct your property taxes and the state income taxes you paid right off your federal return. Well, that limit is now $10,000. So, let's say you were a couple and you're paying $12,000 in property taxes and about $15,000 in state income taxes to be able to afford that mortgage and that home. That was $27,000 deduction on your federal return. Now, you'll only be able to deduct 10000 of that. That's $17,000 less. And at least, if you're, even if your blended federal rate is only 20%, because it's a blended laddered bracket, that's a $3,400 potential increase in taxes when you just think about it like that. And also, there's no more miscellaneous itemized deductions like management fees on investment accounts and things like that. It's, it's gone. Those are gone. 
And so a lot of people are like, oh, I'm going to pay way more in federal tax in, in federal taxes because I can't get this deduction anymore of my state and local income taxes. Look, many of you that had deductions that high were losing those deductions anyways because you were paying AMT tax, alternative minimum tax. So look at the second page of your 1040 from last year. And if that line AMT had a number in it, you were losing those deductions probably anyway. Now, even though the state income tax limit is $10,000 of a deduction, the AMT exemption is much higher. So you might be kind of just at a wash when it comes to those taxes. So make sure you ask your CPAs, your tax advisors, when you're going in to get your taxes done, ask the questions. Has charity changed? Nope, not really. A deduction for charitable contributions remain in place. Actually, it's a little bit better because cash contributions to public charities and certain private foundations increase to a 60% deduction of your adjusted gross income. Um, the way that it's changed, though, is because the itemized deductions have changed and they're limited on the state and local taxes. You might be better off if by lumping your deductions, your charitable deductions, into one year. Instead of giving $5,000 every year, maybe you give $10,000 every other year. And lump them in so you can actually get the deduction. If you're over 70 and a half taking required minimum distributions from your IRAs or 401ks, you can actually roll over up to $100,000 of your RMD to charity without paying taxes on it. The other big thing that people talk about when it comes to taxes that's a big topic of conversation is, oh, home equity line of credit, no longer deductible on interest. That's people's initial reaction to this tax cut act. They look at it and say, oh, I've got a home equity line of credit. It's no longer, the interest is no longer deductible. If that home equity line of credit was used to acquire your home or make major capital improvements, it still could be deductible. Talk to your tax advisor about that. But if you took out a home equity line of credit and used it to send your kid to college or buy a car, not deductible. Medical expenses, actually better. Last year, you could only deduct medical expenses if they were over 10.5% of your adjusted gross income. It's back down to 7.5%. Thank God, that's great for our seniors. When nursing homes cost $5,000 to $15,000 a month, and people are pulling money out of their IRAs to fund it, the, the, our seniors need that deduction. If you're investing in real estate, if you're a landlord, you're, you're going to get an extra deduction. Now, it's different. If your income, your taxable income is under 157000 single or 315000 married filing jointly, basically you take your profit, your net income on your real estate, you're going to be able to take a 20% of that number as an extra deduction on your federal return. If you make over those numbers, 157 single or 315000 married, then it's 2.5% of the depreciable asset. So you look at the the acquisition cost of the building plus any improvements, and I believe that you'll be able to take 2.5% of that number each year as an extra deduction. It gets a little bit more complicated if you're a business owner. It has to do with if you're a service provider, um, if you're in an industry like mine, financial advisor, when you have um, incomes over a certain amount, you just totally lose the deduction. But for normal businesses, the non-service provider businesses... Basically, you can either take 20% of your net income from your business as a deduction, or if you make, if your taxable income is over 207,000 single or 415 married filing jointly, it's just a different calculation. It's either 50% of your W-2 employee wages paid by the business, or 
25% of W-2 pages uh, wages, plus 2.5% of the acquisition cost of your depreciable business property. Sounds simple enough, right? This, this was tax simplification, right? No. There's a lot of good things in here in this tax package for, for business owners, for sure, um, which they hope will lead to wage inflation and people earning more money that work for the business. But it's very complicated. There's no forms... There's no software packages that are very good yet that are updated to project your tax issues next year. Um, you probably all, those people that are claiming certain amounts on their income, on their W-9 when they work for somebody, probably just now notice on this last paycheck potential a reduction in some of the taxes withheld. But, um, you know, you've got to really sit down and take some time to ask some questions with your CPA this year on projections for 2018, but everybody's extremely busy. So be aware that your CPAs are really, really busy right now. And you might have to do a follow-up meeting after tax time to talk more about 2018 projections and how this is going to work going forward. And look, let's don't do anything drastic. Don't do any massive strategies that you hear about online or somebody talks about at a seminar when it comes to business structure, or real estate, you have to remember all of these tax cuts for the personal level expire in 2026 unless this economy grows and our budget deficits shrink. They will expire because Congress won't let them continue if our budget deficit has exploded as a result of this. Thanks for listening. Please tell a friend about the show. You can find me at chadburton.com or newfocusfinancial.com. I've got a team of certified financial planners help you with your, your wealth management, retirement planning. Check it out, chadburton.com. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for donald trump to hire i find out the worst enemy that i'm going to face in my life is right here in america they took my assessment and they wanted me to change it i was like i'm not changing it they had to get rid of flynn with in-depth interviews archival footage and never before seen personal record to the man behind the headlines i just felt like i was drowning flynn deliver the truth whatever the cost available now watch it today go to salemnow.com salemnow.com